0: Hello, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. "'Daughter,' he said to her, "'your faith has made you well. "'Go in peace and be free from your affliction.'" While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, "'Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any more?" But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, "'Don't be afraid. Only believe.'" He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They started laughing at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come. Which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. Well, recently, we have seen in talks that Jesus is someone who cares. And we've also seen that Jesus is someone who shows mercy. In doing so, we've come to realize that Jesus is Lord of danger in that he calmed the Sea of Galilee in a storm. And we've also come to see that Jesus is Lord of demons as he was able to remove the many demons from the Gerasene demoniac. Then in verse 21, what we're told is that Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee from the east side to the west side. The west side was where he was more prominent and conducting quite a lot of ministry. He was quite popular too on the western side. Uh, Not everyone, of course, was uh, in favor. There were people plotting to kill him, but there were lots of people who were coming to him and seeking the miraculous. In fact, Jesus was really the talk of the town. And that would be no less so because of the things that we're going to study just now. We're going to see some extraordinary acts by Jesus. In fact, we're going to see three things. First of all, that Jesus restores the diseased. Secondly, that Jesus restores the dead. And thirdly, I think we can learn from this that Jesus can restore you and me. So first of all, Jesus restores the diseased. We're first going to consider the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She'd spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. She was suffering from a chronic bleeding disorder. Now, Some medicine in those particular times was quite helpful but there was plenty of medicine that was completely useless as we reflect back and in some cases outright dangerous. Greek medicine excelled in external medicine uh, such as the setting of fractures or the binding of wounds but it was less confident when it came to internal medicine which was the cause for concern for this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Like the Gerasene demoniac, she was not helped by people. She was not helped by doctors in this particular case. She'd spent everything. She wasn't helped but grew worse. So effectively she was like one of the living dead. Her condition meant that she was socially isolated. She'd also become economically impoverished. She was effectively the living dead. Yet Jesus was someone who cared for her. In verses 27 to 28 we read this having heard about Jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe for she said if I can just touch his robes I'll be made well now this particular woman was unlike Jairus she was low on the honor scale Jairus was someone who was high on that honor scale yet she'd lost hope in other people and she came to Jesus seeking a cure She had a magical view of how the cure was going to work out. Her theory was she would just touch Jesus and that would, of course, change things. Well, there was, in fact, an instant cure, but we're going to learn that it wasn't because she touched him. We'll learn that in a moment. Let's have a look, though, first of all, at verse 29. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. And what we see here is that Jesus is Lord of disease. A very wonderful truth about Jesus, that he is Lord even of disease. And then in verses 30 to 34, we see some other wonderful truths. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say, who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Now, for many years, I've been very moved by verse 30, where we read that Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. That's extraordinary. The only power I know that goes out from me is of course as I lose energy, as I just go through the normal course of the day, as the hours go by, I become progressively less energetic and need a recharge at the end of the day, just like you plug the recharge into your mobile phone overnight. For us, we call that sleep. Here we see something entirely different, something entirely extraordinary. Jesus had this power and he also knew that it had been removed from him. In verse 33, the woman came in fear and trembling and told him the whole truth, which was a great expression of faith. In verse 34, we are then told, in fact, I should read this directly. He says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. So there we see why it was that she was, in fact, made well. In some translations, it will say that your faith has saved you. And it's interesting, when we do think about healing, very often there are overtones of salvation as well. This is a story about healing, but I think it goes further and is actually saying that this woman now had salvation. One particular commentator has said that the Gospel writer Mark indicates that faith placed in the earthly Jesus is structurally the same as faith placed in the crucified and risen Jesus and within the story it receives in an anticipatory way the saving benefits secured by Jesus' passion or his death and resurrection at the end of the story. So this particular woman, as she had faith in Jesus Christ, was also receiving the gift of salvation. It would still be some time before Jesus, of course, would die upon the cross and be raised again to bring the salvation about, but it was anticipatory. It was an expression uh, anticipating what Jesus Christ would do upon the cross. Now she didn't know everything about Jesus' identity, but she must have known something about his authority. She must have known that he was an extraordinary man. And I think that this is helpful for us because it does show us that theological accuracy about who Jesus Christ actually is, is not what is essential for salvation. What is essential for our salvation is the right attitude of heart. This particular woman had faith in Jesus she came in utter desperation and our approach to Jesus should be no less we must come to Jesus in a desperate way we must come in faith seeking to be saved by him well in verse 34 we're also told that she went back into normal life with a beautiful beautiful blessing go in peace and be free from your affliction what wonderful words to hear So Jesus has restored the diseased. Secondly, we see that Jesus restores the dead. The story of the bleeding woman came after Jairus had come to Jesus to seek his help. We then learn in verse 22 and 23 this. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. This was a man of standing and authority who also comes in desperation to Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether you're at the high end or the low end of the social scale. Everyone needs Jesus. His Jewish religion was unable to help him. He was a synagogue leader, but it was a religion that wasn't able to help him. He was in a desperate situation. The child mortality rates were very high in the Roman world. The average life expectancy was 10 to 25 years of age. Only 40% of people reached that particular age and children had a one in two chance of getting to the 10 years of age mark. Well, in verse 24, we learn that Jesus went with Jairus and a large crowd followed him and was pressing in upon Jesus. Jesus then meets that, that bleeding woman and of course spends some time engaging with her. But of course, what this meant was that Jairus' daughter died. So it was good news that the bleeding woman was healed, but it was bad news for Jairus because his daughter had died. that Messengers had come and told um, Jairus that uh, his daughter had in fact died. They said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any more? Then Jesus, having overheard this, said, don't be afraid, only believe. And that was directed towards Jairus. Now, that would have been a very difficult thing for Jairus to be able to do. It doesn't tell us whether he's to believe in God or to believe in Jesus. We don't need to split hairs at this particular point. He was just there told to believe. Now, it would be in, of course, God, or it would be in Jesus, not in something else. Well, Jesus then went to where Jairus's daughter was, to, to his house. He saw a commotion in verse 38, which was sure evidence, I believe, uh, that this girl really was dead. She wasn't in some sort of uh, coma. She really was physically dead. And then Jesus says in verse 39, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep." Well, that's interesting because he's saying, well, she's not dead. But their uh, actions are indicating that she is dead. Now, what is going on here, I think, is that Jesus is actually speaking figuratively. The girl really was dead. But what he was saying is that what he's about to do uh, would be as if the girl was just awakening from sleep. So as he takes her hand and raises her up, it's just going to be like as if she was awakening from a sleep that she was having. Their response in verse 40 was to laugh at him. But very interestingly, what we read next is, but he put them all outside. These people mocked Jesus. They would, of course, mock him at the cross as well. If we fast forward, they mocked him. What was his response just to endure it? Well, he did endure it, but he also put them outside. They would have no place in witnessing what was about to happen, which would have been an extraordinary thing to be able to witness. But I think that that's a very helpful point also for us to realize that. if we want to mock Jesus, and if we want to reject Jesus, he will put us outside. It might not be outside a house, but it ultimately will be outside of heaven. And that's not a place where we want to be. We don't want to be in hell. We don't want to be outside of heaven. In Mark's gospel, we constantly, well, we regularly see this distinction between the insider and the outsider. The insiders are the people who hear the word of God and accept it. The outsiders are those who who um, reject the word of God. And the insiders are with Jesus, the outsiders are not. And the parables determine whether someone's on the inside or someone's on the outside. Um, whether people understand or they don't understand the parable determines whether they're, whether they're on the inside or on the outside. And so what we do see is that there is a distinction in terms of how we respond to, to Jesus. Well, Jesus in verse 40 took the father, the mother, Peter, James and John. And then in verses 41 to 43, we read this. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha koum, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. So Jesus just takes this girl's hand and he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And to show that she wasn't a ghost, something was given to her to be able to eat, which was proof that she was that she was not a ghost. So this was an amazing thing. But furthermore, for Jesus even to touch this girl, that was an unclean act for him to do under Jewish religion. Uh, he was making, um, taking a big risk in what he was actually doing. But he cared for this particular girl so very greatly, and he was able to show that he is Lord of Death by actually restoring this girl to life. So another aspect, I suppose, that we see about faith is that the bleeding woman taught us that faith saves. But here, the call to follow Jesus is into a situation beyond all hope, into the jaws of death. And that is what Jairus exhibited. And that is, of course, the faith that we ought to exhibit as well. So when we see these two stories in the flow of scripture, what we do see is that Jesus' exorcisms and his miracles all seem to be works of restoration. Jesus has restored the sea to order. Jesus has restored the demoniac to his right mind. Jesus has restored a woman's health. And now we see Jesus restores a child to life. Jesus is someone who restores the third and final point I wish to bring is that Jesus restores you and me as well. It's not automatic. It is dependent upon faith. But Jesus is able to restore you and me. There is a wonderful verse which comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. So, we are a new creation. A Christian is a new creation. That is, of course, if someone has faith in Christ, faith in Jesus, they are a new creation. They have been restored. That is a really wonderful, wonderful truth. But, of course, any Christian who is a new creation is someone who knows that they're not completely right at this particular point. In fact, Jesus' exorcisms and his miracles all seem to be works of restoration that anticipate the restoration of all things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're told about this final resurrection that will occur when Jesus Christ comes back to judge the world. And what we learn is this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will all we will be changed. Now that is an incredible, credible picture, and furthermore, is a wonderful picture that we read of of what heaven will be like in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, "Look." I am making everything new. So what we see is that Jesus is actually able to restore you and me. And that is the sure and certain future for all Christian people. Do you want to be restored? Do you want to be, first of all, in a relationship with Jesus? Well, believe in him and you can have that relationship. Do you want to have everything made right. Well, one day that will be made right if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, he may restore us for um, the various physical ailments and conditions that we have if we ask him, but he may not in this world. But what we can be certain about is that he will restore us for this new creation that he is longing that we would be a part of if only we would believe in Jesus. So to conclude... Jesus gives us great hope. Do you sense this hope? This is the truth. This is what we can build our lives upon, what we can absolutely depend upon, that one day he will restore all those who trust in him. But I think it also shows that he is not a man to be sidelined. Jesus is Lord of danger, demons, disease, and death. He is a very powerful person. He is not to be sidelined. We are to listen to him and respond to what he's calling us to do. And that is, of course, chiefly to have faith in him. Jesus is powerful, but he cares. He, has, uh, he is able to show mercy and he is able to restore